both Jessica and Ashley Simpson together. Jessica Simpson. I belong to me. Simpson and Nick Lachey. All you newlywed couples out there, can you imagine allowing a camera crew to follow you around day and night? Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? Hey, what's up? I'm Ashley Simpson. Please welcome Ashley Simpson. Ashley Simpson right here on the VIP. With Ashley Simpson, I'm so excited. She said, I want to be a role model to girls. Now it's time to take a peek into the lives of the Simpsons sisters, Jessica and Ashley. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ashley and Jessica cast. I'm your host, Leah Russo, and this is episode 27. I am actually recording this little intro during the edit because I wanted to talk to you guys about what this episode ended up becoming and what we have coming in the future. So if this is your first episode of the Ashley and Jessica cast, hi, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my God, thank you, hi. If you listen to this episode and this is the only episode that you listen to, you probably would be like, wow, they don't talk about Ashley and Jessica that much for it being called the Ashley and Jessica cast. And <laughs> the reason for that is because the guest that I have on, which I will introduce you to her shortly, is currently doing a series on The Girls Next Door, which, if you don't know, was a reality show that ran from 2005 until 2009 on the E! Network. It was about Hugh Hefner, the founder of Playboy magazine, and his three live-in girlfriends, Holly Madison, Bridget Marquardt, and Kendra Wilkinson. You know, it was just about them frolicking, having dog birthday parties, doing weird stuff, doing gross stuff. There were some cute and heartwarming moments on it too. The outfits were everything, whether they be custom made, Juicy Couture, or one of Kendra's classic baseball cap, short shorts, and tank top ensembles. I mean, it was just everything and... It fascinates me to this day. You will hear that because my guest and I really get into it. So we also talk about Jessica and Ashley for like an hour. So it's not, <laughs> it's not uh, as though we don't talk about them. We do. But because we do talk more about another subject, I don't want people to be confused about what this podcast is if it is your first time listening. I am including timestamps. Just in case you only want to hear the Ashley and Jessica chatter, then you can skip around, but hopefully you'll enjoy it all and listen to it all. We used to cover other pop culture topics more. We would do it every single week. We'd have a segment before we got into the Newlyweds episode where we would talk about other pop culture of the time that was popular, like Mary-Kate and Ashley or Ben and J-Lo, which, oh my god, Ben and J-Lo 2021 it's on, baby. I don't care if it's a PR stunt. I literally, it, it makes no difference to me. I don't know these people anyway, so I don't care. I'll take whatever I can get, and I just, oh God, do I enjoy them. Anyway, <laughs> we, we talked about a lot of different 
pop culture topics from 2003 and 2004 and I would really like to start doing that again because as much as I adore Jessica and Ashley it just gets a little bit repetitive I feel like I'm talking about the same stuff a lot but this episode my guest and I we talk a lot about the girls next door we talk a lot about Jessica and Ashley and then in the next episode I will have the same guest on and we will be getting into the season two finale of newlyweds valentine's day which is such a great episode i'm so excited to get into that and for you guys to hear part two i know you're going to love my guest as well so without further ado here we go today we are going to be talking to one of my favorite podcast hosts she hosts this amazing early 2000s pop culture podcast called lay do you remember this please welcome darlene hello Hi, Dara. How are you? I'm great. You know, getting my second vaccine dose in a couple days. I'm, I mean, I'm on top of the world. Yes, I'm getting my first one on Monday. I'm so excited. Ooh, uh, just the summer is upon us. What could be better? Yes. So we're on opposite coast, right? Are you in LA? Yeah. And what is it like there right now? Is it getting better? Are you having a moment? What's happening? Everything is, like, really picking up, I think. Pretty much everyone who, like, wants a vaccine out here has gotten at least one. Um, It's all kind of opened up, and pretty much everything is getting back into full swing. We just found out that you don't have to wear masks if you're fully vaccinated. So we're really uh, picking up steam for for our hot girl summer, you know? (laughs) Thank God. I follow the new Beverly on Instagram and they said they're opening, I think, June 1st. Yeah, originally it it was supposed to be June 15th. Everything opens up, but I think we're um, kind of ahead of schedule. So yeah, it's probably like June 1st now. Very exciting stuff. Oh, yay. So your podcast, I absolutely love it. It's inspired by, you must remember this, right? Yes, yes. And You do a great job, I think, of, like, you can tell it's inspired by it, but it's not just a retread of the same thing. And if anyone hasn't heard that, that one is more about old Hollywood. I mean, she's expanded a lot of her topics now, but originally it was, like, strictly old Hollywood, and it's not just two people talking, you know? It's one host discussing a certain topic with music and voices and all that kind of stuff. It's like a story. So you do the same thing with the early 2000s. So do you want to tell the listeners about some of your episodes and what you're doing now? Yeah, so right now um, I'm doing a Girls Next Door series. And yeah, basically every episode I do is research like heavily researched written I narrate it and then I I edit it with all sorts of clips and music but like I've also done my first episode that I ever did was the feud of Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan I've done the feud of Lindsay Lohan and Hillary Duff there's a (laughs) lot of feuds uh to to do it was definitely inspired by directly by you must remember this but I feel like I try to make it it's it's still serious but it's it's almost like a parody in a way mm-hmm. of that podcast but yeah right now I'm doing the girls next door and so I started with kind of the history of Playboy and Hugh Hefner starting from the 50s 
and then now I'm into the early 2000s part of it where we're introduced to Holly Madison and the girls and stuff like that. Yes, I saw that you just posted a new episode today and I was distressed only because I couldn't listen to it right away. <laughs> but I was like, well, I'm interviewing her, so it's like the next best thing. <laughs> exactly. You have me you have me in the flesh. Well, in, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> Funny enough, I'm obsessed with the girls next door and Playboy and the whole thing. And oh, really? I didn't that's awesome. Yes, very very much. So like for some reason, I mean, I'm sure you understand, obviously, you're doing a heavily researched yeah. series on it. But like, it's just, it doesn't get old to me. It's like an endless treasure trove of fascination and grossness. And it's mm-hmm. like such a blend of weird emotions for me and interests and stuff like that. Because I do think it's really complicated, you know, even though yeah. some of the... Like some of the obvious, like there's definitely some overtones (laughs) that are like, okay. But then there's a lot of, I don't know, there's, you know, it's like people are complicated and there's different sides to everything and all of that. But actually when I was talking to my friend, I originally did this podcast with my friend Jolie and I told her that I also was like, I was like, I also want to do a Girls Next Door podcast. So I don't know, which one would you want to do more? Ashley and Jessica or Girls Next Door? And she's like... (laughs) She's like, I think I'm a little more invested in in Ashley and Jessica. So I was like, okay, let's do it. And now that I see how much time this takes up, I'm like, I'm probably never going to be able to do another one at the same time. Yeah. I'm so in, like yours is already so good. And I'm so excited to listen to the next part because I saw the description that you're going to talk about Holly coming in and all that. Yeah. it. The thing about the girls next door is when you just watch the episodes, it's so little seems to go on you know Mm -hmm. it's it's like watching I always say it's like watching the great British bake-off or something it's just very low stakes like people are very calm and quiet and it's not too stressful and you'd think that there wouldn't be a lot of content you could get out of out of it but when you do the research and realize like how much was happening behind the scenes just seeing the side by side of just puppies and kittens and gizmo needs to get groomed and then finding out the bonkers stuff that was happening behind the scenes it's a very interesting world to dive into yes completely and I I'm really because I heard that Bridget is coming out with a book too now right she's like writing one. Oh, I didn't hear that actually She's well, she's been writing it for a while because this was this was one of her newer interviews, but even so it was like probably a year or more ago now, and she said that she was working on one. So I'm I'm so excited because as I've said to you in our DMs, I <laughs> feel like Bridget is the one who got the best deal out of it because mm-hmm. she was already grown. She had been like married and um I think she was still married like during the show, right? Like she didn't get divorced. Yeah, yeah. So she had been to college, like she was already on another graduate degree, like she, she lived. So she, I feel like she was kind of like, yeah, I've done a lot of stuff. And now I want to basically sit back and relax and, you know, pet my cat like by the pool. And Holly is just, I mean, I know, I'm sure you read her book, like, so, like, so deeply wrapped up in this, like, mind numbing, crazy situation where she's like, oh, I'm gonna have a child with this man. Yeah. And then Kendra's barely even like a person like she moved in when she's 18 when I think about that because I'm younger than her so when I watched it I they were like adults to me you know right and now I'm like 
she was 18. I mean, I we know her mother and everything, but I'm like, where was her mother? <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know? That is the one of the things, just going through all the episodes again, I think back on what I was thinking when I watched it the first time. And I was still, God, I was still probably like 15, maybe when the sh- or 14 when the show first came out. So I wasn't that much younger than Kendra. And I remember at the time thinking that 18 felt really young, but also not being as disgusted by it as I am today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like so much more... I guess in some ways, though, I can see why Kendra still kind of looks back at the mansion time as positive for her because it was the only structure that she had in in her life up until that point. Right. Um, But it's still just, but it came with a price, a huge price. Yeah, even though it's, it's obviously weird for your boyfriend to be telling you, you know, you cannot leave the house after nine o'clock. It was probably great for her at 18 to have someone tell her that. Like, you're not going to be carrying on all night. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? Right. And I I think she I think she looked at Hef as a father figure. And he gave her boundaries and structure. Um, but, yeah, she was young enough not to realize that he's not your father. And this is inappropriate for mm-hmm. a, a pseudo-boyfriend to put these demands on you but yeah Bridget did have the best part of the deal but I also feel like she was so um she has like such a wall up I feel like she in some ways could like compartmentalize what was going on like she wanted to move in she wanted to be in Playboy and she kind of just took it all in stride a little better than Holly did but Holly had to do a lot more as the main girlfriend yeah, she always talks about how she didn't even have any privacy, which is – I didn't even think about that when I was watching the show because she was always like, I'm so in love with Hef. I love him. I love him. I love him. That I was like, oh, she's fine, happy, you know, in that bed with yeah. him every night, I guess. And to think about, like, yeah, like, Bridget and Kendra had nice rooms. Yeah. And she's stuck in there <laughs> all the time. Oh, my oh, God. Wait. And there's there's um one episode – I use a I use the clip from it in um in one of my first episodes um of the Girls Next Door series, but Holly is trying to organize their room, and it's so dark because they're just they're trying to make it like oh Holly's just cleaning up and organizing and like oh half is so messy like do 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 do, but really it's you're watching this young woman look around at this hoarder's mess and she's like I don't have any place to put my stuff I literally have I have like a sliver of the closet and that's it and all of my stuff has to go in a pile because there's no drawers or or like any organization and it's just I can't imagine living that way I know especially when you're not if you if you really were like if I really was like madly in love with some guy, it would still be hard because I need space. I'm like very independent. But the fact that she's so mentally at this point like worn down and yes. she's like she's like yeah, I'm madly in love with him and then you can tell that I think in every toxic relationship, you can get along for the most part as long as they're not like literally physically attacking you every day or something. Yeah. But then little things happen that build up that like push you against the wall and you have to look at it 
Yeah. And I think that was like one of the big things was like, okay, I live in this room where thongs are hanging above my head. <laughs> I know. And there's dust everywhere. And there's like magazines from 1921. And it's like, what do I do? You know, like what is, I'm, I'm sure she was just always like, what am I doing in the, my life? Like the world? What, what is my place? You know? Yeah. I, I don't know how, I think really had the show never happened, I think she would have uh, been gone years and years sooner. I don't, by the time the show started, started, I think she was kind of done with the mansion, but then this comes along and, you know, this was kind of what she had always been waiting for, this kind of opportunity. So then, you know, it's an overnight success. Suddenly she has to stay there like five more years and just be in this room with this man, live by his rules, go to bed when he goes to bed, like do every, I don't know how you don't go absolutely out of your mind. I know there's just no amount of money or exposure that's worth it. Like, yeah, she seems to be doing really well now. Like she seems to be really adjusted and she got what she wanted. You know, she has her children and and she seems like such a great mom and everything. But like that was eight years of her precious life and during her 20s, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I was um, I was watching one of her YouTube videos and she was talking about how and I had always wondered this and she confirmed it but she was saying how she talked to a therapist and the therapist said you spent these hugely formative years of your 20s where people are discovering themselves and learning what it means to be your own person and you spent all of those years in a different world like a very strange like little prison world and she was like so you're you're really regressed Like you're a lot less, you're at a level of maturity at this point that's kind of like below what most people your age are because you are now experiencing what you were supposed to be experiencing in your 20s. You're experiencing them in your late 30s. Yeah, I wonder if she literally stopped growing when she was, when she moved in. I think she did. I think it, I mean, if you think about it, I think she said, you know, she had like one boyfriend in high school and then she comes to the mansion at 22 and then she doesn't have another relationship except for half until she's like almost 30 and she also doesn't have a single friend who's not a part of playboy you know she doesn't even know what the real world looks like as an adult until she moves out when she's almost 30. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, even though she I'm glad obviously I'm glad she moved out, but like I can't imagine how scared she was to just be on her own. Like I think it's so sweet that she stayed with Mary and everything. Yes. Because she needed and the fact that she's talked about how she's like not close with her family and everything, mm-hmm. that made me so sad and you know, she seems so I I feel like she's such a creative interesting like childlike kind of person and it's just so funny that I mean not funny but it's just so sad that like she's trying to play this like sex doll all the time yeah she just wants to like go to Disney 
and like go into the woods and run around like a fairy like that's what she literally (laughs) wants to do you know yeah oh my god she is a fairy that is a really great way to describe her she's a fairy (laughs) so is Bridget Bridget and Holly are little are little fairy princesses who live in a wood stump or something yeah that that actually is a great description um and it's just so funny too because I listened to your episode with Troy and you know you guys were talking about how hilarious it is that like Bridget and Holly have this affinity for Playboy and they get it they get what a big deal it was at the time yeah and they're they're like we cannot believe we are here this is crazy like we live with Hugh Hefner in this mansion and Kendra is just like there she's just like partying she's just shaking her ass like (laughs) rapping and it's just so funny because they like the fact that they had to just watch her take over their whole you know what I mean like come in and just and they try it always killed me like they both tried so hard they wanted to please Hef they wanted to look perfect all the time and I would die every time they were like perfectly made up these tailored you know tiny little outfits and everything and Kendra comes in with her hair in this messy ponytail no makeup like a tank top and she's like ready to go and Hef doesn't say a word yeah he doesn't say a word and I think I think part of it was I wonder if that was him simply trying to piss off Holly and Bridget in a way like oh I see how hard you guys try I'm going to let her get away with it. I also think it was because he was a lot older when Kendra came along. And I I do think as he got older, he started uh, relaxing his grip around their lives. Like by, I would say like by the girls next door, maybe a little bit after it started, like they had stopped having sex and all that stuff. Like he, he was too old at that point. So I think by the time Kendra came around, he was he wasn't as strict but Holly and Bridget still felt like they had to like live up to whatever he had already like expected of them yes and I also wonder a big reason why I'm so interested in Bridget's book is because she acts like everything's fine but I also think because you can tell like Kendra genuinely looks like she's just having a ball the whole time Holly you can see is like barely holding it together yeah all the little things that Hef would say or whatever, or one of the other girls would say, you just see that like plastered fake smile on her face. And then there's Bridget who seemed like more genuinely happy, but she had this like weird psychological thing going on where she was rejected for Playboy. And then Hef invites her to the mansion. So you would think that that is his way of saying like, she's the most beautiful out of all of you because you know, or like she, Holly and Kendra are the most beautiful and perfect out of everyone who comes to my doorstep because these are my girlfriends. But instead he's like, no, you're not good enough to be in the magazine. Like you can't be a playmate. All these other girls are playmates. You can live with me, but you can't be in the magazine up until obviously they did their photo shoot. But I'm like, what's like going on in her mind before that? Is she just constantly, she probably was so insecure around him because like, why, that's so confusing. Why am, why am I good enough to be your girlfriend and not in the magazine? Okay. So I have two thoughts on this, on this matter, on this very important matter. <laughs> very important. Um, so number one, I think, yes, like I think Bridget was incredibly insecure. Um, 
and I think it came from being in the mansion and just, you know, I think everyone became, every woman became a lot more insecure than they needed to be because of the standards that they had to live up to. But you can see it with Bridget. And I think I, I think I said this in my podcast with Troy. I'm not sure if I said it there or another podcast, but that she's always kind of like preoccupied with food. She's always kind of remarking on the food or like eating something and kind of making like a little joke about how like, oh, I can't, I can't eat this. Oh, well, one more, one more bite. It's fine. And like no one else talks about food as much as she does in a way that feels and she like talks about her stomach and like she's very preoccupied with her weight. So mm-hmm. I think she was really insecure, but I also think that so in Holly's book, she says for anyone to put yourself in the situation that we put ourselves in, anyone who chose to like live at the Playboy Mansion and be Hef's girlfriend, there has to be something uh quote unquote wrong with them on some like there has to be something that <laughs> happened to them that made them think that this was like a viable option for their life, herself included. And I think that with Kendra, you know, she she has her memoir. We hear all of it, um, or at least enough where like you know what's going on. Holly, she lets us in a little bit. We still don't know like what went on in her childhood. She's still a little cagey about that, but like she Let's us see in Bridget. We never saw in to her world, her life at all. And I kind of think that she is the most, the most stuff is going on inside of her of the three of them. Because you'll also notice if you watch like every single episode, which I did for research, there are so many times where Bridget just starts crying or like she gets incredibly emotional about something and it feels like this is a person with a lot of sadness that is always trying to go the opposite and be up 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 and happy 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 and pink but then Mm -hmm. every once in a while like something lands and she just like dissolves into tears so I would love to see her book because I want to know what's going on over there in Lodi California (laughs) I know me too especially because that whole well there's a few moments that you're like what you're talking about but um when you know when Kendra and Holly keep shooting even though Bridget Mm -hmm. went you know she went to her class or she went to have her final yes I love that moment so much because like I feel as though Holly and Kendra, it's almost as if they didn't even acknowledge that there was another world outside of those gates. And I was like, good for her. Like she, she's acknowledging that like someday she's not going to live in this mansion. Yeah. She's, she's learning, you know, and I love that that professor was like, no, you, you can't miss your final for your Playboy photo shoot. I'm sorry. And then she's, you know, crying because she's like, of course you're not going to have one more photo of Kendra and Holly like it needs to be even and I'm I was like that's so interesting because I probably would just be like yeah I left you know like I I get it they had to keep shooting it's expensive all that kind of stuff and the fact that she was so heartbroken the thought of there being one more picture yeah of the other two was not okay that was really surprising to me yeah I I thought that was really surprising too because most people most adjusted people would just say (laughs) 
you know, yeah, okay, there's one extra picture. Who cares? I'm still on the cover. It's just one extra picture. And honestly, I don't know. You could also be like, hey, can we negotiate? Maybe I do a picture with Holly, just the two Mm -hmm. of us or something like that. But I just would never be able to, because the other thing was Kendra and Holly loved the pictures that they did together. They really did. They were beautiful pictures. They were beautiful pictures. And I I would not be able to tell two of my friends, like, no, sorry, you can't use these pictures that came out so well because I want it to be even. It's very immature. Mm-hmm. It's very, like, little girl, like, no, it all has to be equal or it's not fair. Life ain't fair, baby. I know, I know. And she was, like... 30 or 29 during the first season, right? She's like 32, I think. In the first one? Oh my gosh, She is like, yeah, I always thought she was like 29, but then I looked it up recently and she's like 30, 31, 32 cusp. Because she came into the mansion, I think, at around 29. Wow. That is crazy. You know what? I bet so much, even though like I am not, I am not being a brat at all, like, listen, she's gorgeous yeah but i'm sure that she was like oh i'm the old one. Oh, de- and i think people said that to her too oh i'm sure there was like little microaggressions going on all the time absolutely because there was never i'm almost positive that she was far and away the oldest person who ever like lived at at the mansion as half's girlfriend like no one made it that far to no. 32 or whatever except for uh probably his wife yeah because his wife Kimberly Conrad yeah they got married when she was 26 and then they were together for like just about a decade so she made it to 36 and then and then she was booted (laughs) oh my god I actually really want Kendra to write a real book because I Mm -hmm. feel like her first book was very by the way I went to the the book signings of both Kendra and Holly so no way around that yeah (laughs) oh my god I okay well you have to come on my podcast and we okay. have to recap an episode together because I, I mean, I love a super fan. Oh, I would love, I'm so, I'm always the person that when this topic comes up, I actually pretend that I don't know as much as I know because <laughs> I feel like people are like, wait, what was that one girl's name or whatever? And I'm just like, I don't know. And, um, oh, and meanwhile, <laughs> I'm like, I know her social security number, but whatever. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know, like it's just I'm really, really interested in it. But her book was so sanitized, and it was yeah. even though it include like she tried to make a big deal out of things that were so clearly still like Hef approved. Yes, you know, like oh, like he he pointed out that I gained weight and stuff, and it's like, well, I mean, yes, that's a gross thing to do if he was like a real boyfriend, but it's basically a job, and you're representing his company. It was still horrible. I mean, I'm not excusing it, but right. like. It makes sense in the context of things. So it wasn't even like, oh, what a monster. You know what I mean? It was just like, yeah, this is kind of what we all signed up for. But I want to know like the real tea because she has to be in therapy too. I mean, I cannot imagine being in that situation at age 18. I didn't even know. I mean, I thought I knew everything, but I didn't even know like my left from my right at 18. So like, Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) And not only are you going through this insane stunting experience, but then she came right out and got pregnant right away and started having kids. So like, what is happening in her head right now? I need to know. 
Well, so I've been really like paying extra attention to her social media lately. And um, I listened to a podcast she was on, I think she was on it less than a year ago. It was during the pandemic. But I do feel like she must be in therapy. She's kind of conducting herself and talking in a way that makes me feel like she's been like really working through some things. Like in the podcast, she was saying how she wants to um, get her breast implants taken out. And not that like, oh, you're like a healed person if you don't think that you need your breast implants anymore or anything like that. But just she was like, I just I'm not I'm not focused on that stuff anymore. And like, I really want to be good at golf. And I love golf. And like, it makes it harder. So I'm not going to basically like, put that focus on my looks anymore because it's not important to me it just seems like she just seems a lot more grounded and mature mature so (laughs) I do think she's she's probably in some hardcore therapy yeah I know what you mean it feels like every time I see her post on Instagram like she's saying almost like a canned like Mm -hmm. therapy line or something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it seems like her divorce I mean obviously like her divorce would be hard but it it seems like she really gave her all. Like she yeah. really tried to make it work with him. It wasn't just like, oh, we you know we both have options. We're celebrities, and some of them it just feels like they move on a lot easier. And it it feels like that was also really damaging to her. So yeah. I feel like she kind of went from this like cocoon of the Playboy Mansion, then she went straight into like a marriage and also like a like a more protective state. And now she's a single mom. Yeah. It's just like, it's just like Holly, though. It's like, I mean, Holly didn't get married right off the bat, but she did like jump into another relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. But for Kendra, yeah, now she's living out the early 20s that, you know, she never did. And -hmm. now she's actually learning how to be an adult. Yeah, she probably is. I mean, that the Kendra Wilkinson sport pole money is not going to last <laughs> that much longer. She has to figure yeah. something out. <laughs> oh, my God. Kendra's sport pole. I love that so much. Like, God like, forbid we call it a stripper pole. It's a sport pole. Yeah, just call it what it is, you it girl. <laughs> Back to her book, it, you're, it is, like, so sanitized. Even though they give you a lot of details, like, oh, yeah, I was on meth. It's still right. <laughs> also it kind of comes from the perspective of a of a person who hasn't digested their childhood traumas because there were so many points in the book where she says something talk she's like talking about how she's like 14 years old and is dating this 19 year old and they're getting caught having sex in the park and she's like lol and it's like <laughs> oh my god babe no or like another time she talks about a teacher who um who told her if you go to this like parent teacher night and wear really 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 short skirt and then tell the class like how much you learned from me I'll give you an A Ooh. and she's like what a jerk right and it's like it's a little more than what a jerk right <laughs> It's a, it's a little more weighty than that. But she was just like still hadn't, I think, really uh, processed processed that. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, it's funny because she came out with the, that second book, and by the time that happened, one of my friends was actually one of Kendra's assistants. No way. Yeah. Well, she actually became that because she was a super fan, and Kendra just kind of like was like, okay. Um, like, oh like the God. way that she is on the show is like how she is, you know, 
Wow. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. And so she was, by the time that came out, she was like, oh, because I was, I did a brief stint writing for the website Cinema Blend. And I wrote a, a short blurb about the book, the second book. And her assistant, my friend, was like, oh, you should write something much longer. Write a whole thing. I'll show it to Kendra. We'll make a big thing of it. Trying to kind of like help me out, I guess, with, you know, get more exposure. And it was Mm -hmm. so sweet. I was like, thank you so much. But the truth is, is that I really didn't like her second book. And I found (laughs) it really to be like fake and just kind of like, let's keep the Kendra brand going. Let's get out another book, you know? And so I just kind of never did it because I didn't, I have like I'm not trying to say oh I'm so great or anything but like I have a really hard time being fake I I yeah. can't write like a puff piece I, I oh I love this so much if I don't actually love it so mm-hmm. I just kind of like never did it and <laughs> I oh would love God. to see like a real book from her where she's like look now that I've had time to think about it girl <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean honestly like I would love if Kendra would let me ghostwrite her book I'll go there with you, girl. Like, let me do it. Yes. Oh, my God. It's my dream to to go straight a celebrity's book <laughs> or, like, oh a Real God. Housewives book or something. Well, yeah, just to sit there and listen to all their stories and, yeah. like, try to make sense of it and ask them questions, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think it must be such a crazy experience, especially depending on whoever the person is, like, how delusional they are about their their <laughs> life. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Like, I don't know, you know, and you can't really comment. You can't be like, well, do you really think that that was what happened? It's, you know, you just have to be like, okay, Mariah, you know. Yeah. (laughs) I guess maybe I wouldn't be good at it because if I was talking to Kendra and she was saying things about Playboy that I did not agree with, I just, I would end up just probably in an argument with her being like, but Kendra, like, look at it this way. (laughs) like seriously come on and then I'd be fired in an hour oh totally totally I also am really curious about and we're gonna get into Jessica and Ashley (laughs) but like we always talk about other pop culture of the time so it's my listeners are used to this I'm really interested to know I want to know more about Holly's marriage and her divorce because she's weirdly like tight-lipped on it yeah I think it's because it actually was a really bad marriage because because it was so my favorite like one of my favorite specials ever favorite reality TV thing is when she did her baby episode. Oh yeah. I thought that was so good. It was so real. Like she literally they literally show her giving birth. It's beautiful and it's not it's not fake at all. Like they really just showed it. And yeah. um, I thought it was weird because she says in the show like she says something about like oh my husband doesn't really like that I was naked in a magazine so oh yeah I remember that yeah what the hell was he even doing like asking her out on a date I mean like Jesus this happened you have to accept her for who she is I guess he was just like well I just like this person so much and I am interested to maybe start a relationship so I'm just gonna ignore that but like the fact that she felt the need to like announce that on tv as if she was like oh well I'm not that person anymore I get that you're having a baby and you have this different life now but that's still who you are it's not like you now but that happened so to have a spouse that's telling you that's not okay that must have been really damaging to her too you know so I would say like if you're a guy and you're dating a woman 
and you find out that she was in Playboy once. Number one, like, if you have a problem with it, you're a dweeb, get over it. But if mm-hmm. you do suddenly, if you do find that out and you, you don't love it, it doesn't feel good to you, but you love this person, whatever, you get over it. But this is not a person who just was a playmate for one month. Right. Such <laughs> a huge part of her life was not just being in Playboy. It was, she was Playboy. It's so much bigger than that. And also, okay, so if you didn't like her being nude in the magazine, what's his hot takes on her being Hugh Hefner's girlfriend Right. for many years? I'm sure what he said to her in private about that is so much worse if she is talking about just the, oh, he didn't like that I was nude in a magazine. Mm-hmm. I'm sure whatever he said behind closed doors was a lot worse. But my theory with stuff like that is there are men who it's not that he got over or tried to get over that this was a part of her life because he liked her and loved her so much. I think that there are men who seek out women or like choose these women knowing that they did something that they think is kind of like morally wrong or disgusting or degrading so they can kind of like exert their judgment on them yeah because why it's holly madison everybody knows who holly madison is everybody know if this was a problem for you why did you even go on a date with her that's what i'm saying unless you kind of enjoy making a woman feel you know a peg you like putting a woman on a lower pedestal from you you like taking her down a peg yeah, exactly. I mean, I um not to expose my myself personal details, but um I was in a relationship where I was told my boyfriend's family, they were very modest, very conservative people, and so I am not that way. Um I'm not on the cover of Playboy, but like <laughs> but you know, he did sometimes say if we were going to certain places, he would be like, "Okay, like I mean, I love the way you dress, but, like, maybe don't wear something, like, whatever. And and I would just be like, okay. But he compared me to his ex, and he was like, you know, she was just this little, like, whatever, and you wear, like, glitter and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff, and you're this and that, and you're, like, this blonde bombshell and stuff. And I was just like, is this what your parents aren't going to like about me or what you don't like about me? Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) And I think it's not that he didn't like it. I think he liked it a lot. I think it was just that they want – I think he wanted her. Like, he wanted to be with the Playboy model. He wanted to be with the gorgeous, like, showgirl. But he wanted her all to himself. And he didn't – he felt uncomfortable if she showed that side of herself. And he wanted it to be like, well, that's for me now. Like, you used to share it Mm -hmm. with everybody, but now it's mine. He wants both worlds, but it's, like, about control. Mm -hmm. You nailed it. I really think you nailed it. Because another thing, too, is – and I don't know too much about this, but just from Pasquale – his name's Pasquale Rotella, I believe, Holly's ex-husband. But just from when I used to follow him on Instagram – he he's Italian and he has this quintessential Italian adorable little mother that she was in a lot of his pictures and like all of his fans from you know the EDM like Daisy Carnival stuff like she his mother was like famous in that world 
of like, oh, Pasquale's like adorable Italian mother. I just really think that, yeah, it's like, oh, my parents uh, being overly concerned with what your mother thinks, like your very, I'm sure, conservative Italian immigrant mother. What is she thinking about this playboy model that I decided to make the mother of my children? Mm-hmm. And he likes it, but he also is very concerned about what the number one woman in his life thinks, which is his mother. Yeah, I actually, I don't know, when I met Holly, she was nice, but like, I, she actually was on, a, she was on some show, I can't remember what it was, but she did a bunch of interviews, obviously, like in the, those weeks that she was promoting. And so she was wearing the same dress when I met her that she had been wearing on the show. And I think that they really like wore her down with the Mm. questions and everything and when I went in to meet her there was almost nobody there because it was this bookshop that just started having celebrities it was not really that well known or anything yet so I was like oh this should be cool like it'll be it won't be just crazy in and out kind of stuff and so I wanted to talk to her about her baby special because I loved it and I brought it up and she was just like very weird about it because I thought she would like if someone brought that up as opposed to like oh my god do you miss half you know or something like mm-hmm. that and I just like genuinely connected with it and stuff and I thought it was so cool like how she painted her daughter's room with Alice in Wonderland and I was yeah. like wow she's so talented like she could be a freaking painter and I brought it up and she was just like yeah that was a really good one <laughs> I can hear her saying that I just like didn't know what to say I was like oh yeah cool we took a picture together and I was like, thank you and everything. But she was very just, she just seemed done. I could tell that she was not happy and I don't hold it against her at all. She seems like a really sweet person. And I mean, it really must be horrible. I mean, she has such a great life, but like it must, it really must suck because as much as we're all talking about it and there are so many like podcasts and interviews with her and everything, she still is known for this, you know? And that must really, even though she was probably happy to be meeting her fans and stuff, she's probably thinking like, well, this person is here because they want to know about me and Hef and Bridget you know what I mean so it must just be a weird dynamic and I could see how I can see how it would be very very hard for a husband or a boyfriend just to deal with everything yeah Yeah, definitely as long as they weren't abusive or weird like super weird about it but like I also think about this in terms of Nick Lachey we've talked before about how like people go up to him in the airport and they they say like chicken or tuna ha 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 like blah blah oh, blah and he's there with Vanessa you know and if he said that that happens and he said like yeah it's it's really not it's bad <sighs> it does, I cannot get over sometimes like how dumb people are I know I I mean I live in LA so you you get so used to celebrities because you really I mean it sounds stupid but you really do see people all the time mm-hmm. um and when you're in LA, you're totally used to it. You know, you just know not to go up to them or bother them or whatever, because it's just not even a novelty to see someone anymore because you, you know, it's just people living their lives. But when my parents will come visit me or, um, or something like that, or, and I think it happens to a lot of people who live out here, my parents are from New Hampshire. And when they see a celebrity, it's like, whoa, like oh my god wait can I go over to them I'm like no you cannot (laughs) no but there are so many people who I'm just shocked have the 
balls to go up to someone and just like say something so dumb like oh hey remember your ex-wife mm-hmm. what are you thinking I think people's brains get scrambled when they see a celebrity sometimes I could totally see her and Pasquale being out somewhere and someone's like Holly oh my god how's Hep what's going on yeah. is he still doing the magazine like and and she's probably freaking out. Oh, this is going to be a fight later. Like now my night is ruined because my yep. husband isn't secure. And it really is interesting to think about that to be like so cliche, but the price of fame. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. is this really what you want, you know? Yeah, especially when for someone like Holly to become famous off of something so specific and so I mean I think the girls next door was as popular as it was because of these three women I know that they always told them you're replaceable we could just get three other girls and then they did and it was canceled very quickly and it was not the same show and it kind of proved that it was these women specifically it's still being famous or getting your start for on paper being Hugh Hefner's girlfriend and I'm sure it's so hard to make anyone think of anything else for the rest of your career even if you do other things there are so many people who will only just associate you with that yeah and she knew it like she said that so many times that that's why she was afraid to leave because she knew it was everywhere she went it was going to be like playboy playboy have yeah and it's true and she really will be like known for that forever and I mean I hope that she takes some solace in the fact that like we all love her like yeah. <laughs> you know yeah and and that she did make an impact as herself because like when I, I remember when the girls next door first started and I was just like a brat and I was like <laughs> oh my god gold digging bimbos and whatever that's so stupid why would I watch that and then I think I was I was watching something else and I was baking or something in the kitchen and I couldn't find the remote and I just like was all messy and I was like whatever and I just left it on and within I want to say three minutes I was like I love them (laughs) (laughs) I love them they're so cute like they have they all have such good personalities instantly it made me really like Hef more because I was like oh he's not he's not just like banging these hot girls because they're hot these are three really really good interesting people and I mean there's even like cute moments with him and Kendra where I'm like okay I kind of get how this was okay and I use that word loosely but like (laughs) I get it kind of because Kendra seemed to be in on the joke a little bit maybe not all the time but the way that she would be with him in this very congenial almost flirty way but not obviously not romantic the way that Holly was always trying to push like no we're in love okay yeah um (laughs) you know it's just it's ironic that it made me respect him more you know that they made him look good like that he owes them everything he really does and it's so funny that the original show was supposed to be called Hef's World and it's like here's Hef and here's like his butlers and that's what the show was going to be it just didn't even occur to him that, oh, maybe the people will want to see these, like, three adorable women with their, like, Bridget with her pink bedroom and silly cat and <laughs> and Kendra with her Janet Jackson poster above her bed and just, yes. like, piles of dirty clothes. Like, I don't know, maybe we'd prefer that than your butlers and you. 
I know. It's so weird. They think that we want to see... He thought we wanted to see, like, them walk into his room and give him his tray of soup. Like... <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we're dying to see your soup meal and watch you drink a Diet Pepsi. Like, what yeah. are you, where's your brain, sir? I'm like, uh, Holly and Bridget are designing costumes in the next room. That's, I need to see that. <laughs> Can okay. you imagine... Like, it's like the sliding doors moment of if they had just stuck with that idea and just knowing, like, they're shooting a scene and we don't even know that in the next room, Bridget is, you know, wrapping a present with $21 bills on it for uh, Kendra's 21st birthday and, like, these elaborate craft pieces that she makes and we just would have no idea that was happening. That, it's so funny, like, to think of one of them just, like, passing by and being like, oh, hi, and... <laughs> you know <laughs> like uh wednesday just like scampering down the hall and we're like oh who's that cute dog well back to the butler's pantry right and half is just like well i think we're gonna get another blonde yeah on the cover this month it's like okay you know but anyway yeah that was an hour-long brief on your <laughs> new series <laughs> I mean, that was cathartic. It feels great to talk to someone who deserves a PhD in Playboy like I do, so. Oh my god, yes. I, I take pride in it, and I'm also embarrassed. It's yeah. Like, like I said, it's complicated. Story of my life, baby. Yes. So, this is the Ashley and Jessica. I should probably ask you about Ashley and Jessica Simpson. Now, you... Oh, yeah have done a you did a little series kind of was it like two or three episodes on Ashley yeah two episodes on Ashley and then I talked about Jessica's book Mm -hmm. and what is your Jessica and Ashley journey wow okay so I loved um newlyweds I you know I was I was there on the ground floor like everybody else but I really like took to Ashley I I think maybe just age-wise, it made more sense to me because, like, when Jessica came out and everything, you know, unfortunately, of the of the three blondes, her, Christina, and Brittany, you know, she kind of fell on the lower end of the totem pole, but I always still really liked her. And I loved the show, but then when Ashley and her show came out, I was just, like, I, w- I was obsessed. Mm-hmm. I guess I just, and, you know, at the end of the day, I'll throw on autobiography and listen to it uh, top to bottom. And I, I'm not necessarily doing that with any of Jessica's work. Um, I loved Jessica's book. And I do think at the end of the day, like Jessica is, is the star. Like when you watch Ashley's show and then there's like a couple, you know, cameos by Jessica here and there, whenever Jessica comes on screen, you're like, oh yeah, she's the star. (laughs) that's that's a star you could see the difference you're like did the sun just get brighter what happened exactly it's just when people will talk about a je ne sais quoi ashley is great i love ashley's music i unironically i love it i love ashley's oeuvre and i think she's great and i think she's beautiful but yeah when jessica comes on screen you're like oh that's (laughs) what a, a famous person should be like you were destined for this so what do you think about the well I talk about this almost every episode because I just am I just want to know the tea. 
what do you think about Jessica barely putting Ashley in her book and not commenting on Shadow or anything of like that? Okay, wow. Okay, let's get into it. Yeah. So <laughs> this is what I think. I think she had put in some shit about Ashley in there. And I, I feel like there were some blind items about this. Like, I don't think this is new tea for anyone. But what I'm guessing kind of happened is she put a few things in there about Ashley. Ashley said, if you do this, I will fucking burn you to the ground. (laughs) And so then there was just nothing in there. She just decided to take all of it out. But I think at the end of the day, when you have two siblings who are in the same industry, there's just going to be so much um, rivalry. Unless they're both equally successful. Unless you have like the Halls, where you have two siblings with like equally fulfilling careers. Even though like Jake is like more successful technically, like Maggie, she does great work and she, she gets work and she's respected. Yeah. But when you put someone like Ashley and Jessica, where there's someone who is so below the other and also like listen living in her shadow living in the shadow of someone else's dream like I don't think Ashley had a childhood because of Jessica um I don't think she got to like explore her own interests because of Jessica and her parents just being like okay you're getting into this stuff too it's like does she even enjoy this stuff who knows I just think there is so much resentment between the two people I think whatever Jessica said probably in that book was probably not that bad, but Ashley just has so much resentment towards her that maybe she blew it out of proportion and said, you will not say a single thing about me except this one like dinner that we went on and we're like forgave each other for like things that aren't even mentioned in the book. Yeah, I agree. I, I was wondering that. Was it Ashley's choice that Jessica didn't? talk about that kind of stuff because I feel like that makes a lot more sense than her just leaving it out because I really I really want to know what that was like for Jessica not to like once again bring it all back to her and (laughs) I want to know what did she think when she lit like heard that song when you hear you know I'm sure they love each other very much obviously but like when you hear your little sister saying I was six years old when my parents went away. That is horrible. That is like devastating. And Jessica knows, well, that was because of me. And it's not her fault. It's the parents' fault, right? But like still. And then you literally see her playing Jessica in the (laughs) video and everything with the wig. And yeah, I just wonder what it's like now too, because Jessica has the collection and she does that with her mother with their mother you know is the tina is the president of the jessica simpson collection and ashley is such a fashionista now and she is not involved at all like that's crazy to me like i i get that she wants to be separate from jessica still but like she just seems to be so into fashion like i can't believe she isn't doing her own like little you know line on the side one thing that i got from the book i kind of can't believe how codependent she is with both of her parents, especially Joe. And I wonder if it's just with Ashley. She's just not as codependent. You know, like, yeah, she could be involved with Jessica's clothing line and she could, and you could make a lot of money that way. And that's great. But like, you also have to, you know, get into business with your family. 
and I wonder if it's if it's maybe like her being a little more healthy putting up like a boundary because I just can't believe like in Jessica's book how many things like her dad did to her and instead of just saying you know dad you're my dad and that's it like you're putting up this boundary um she she really just like lets her parents run amok however they want to or like when she talks about John Mayer and they tell her oh yeah we're hanging out with John without you and we really think you two should get back together like that is so outrageously inappropriate to it blew my mind I was like how dare they it is it blew my mind and it made me feel so bad for Jessica like but despite all of that despite her father coming into the hospital when she just had her baby or is about to have her baby and is like I divorced your mom and I did it because of you thank you Jessica that's also mind-blowing at when she's when she's in the hospital in the hospital it is so outrageous and those are things that I think if you don't have a truly codependent relationship with your parents those are things that make you go okay um we're gonna take a brief time out here and but instead she really just kind of lets them run amok it feels like like even by the end of the book it it didn't seem like she had put up any sort of boundaries between herself and her parents and Mm -hmm. I just wonder if Ashley like if Ashley's just like you know what I didn't have this codependent relationship with them they tried to create it with me and now I have my own family and um now Diana Ross is my mommy (laughs) (laughs) We've all been there, you know. Oh, totally. Honestly, a step up, too. Like, if Diana Ross can be my mommy, like, instead of having Joe Simpson just, you know, running amok in my life, I'm I'm Mm -hmm. going to go with with Diana Ross. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's an interesting way to look at it. We're all kind of like, oh, poor Ashley and everything. But maybe Ashley is just like, "Mm, this is all on purpose. I am over here. I am doing my own thing. I love my family, but, like... I don't need to be in a meeting with them every day. I don't need them to be at my house with my husband constantly, you know. And that is somewhere, that that is a kind of area where I do sympathize with Nick, even though I'm not a fan of him. I'm just kind of like, what a weird situation to be in. Well, one thing I couldn't get over is I remember back in the day when it was, yeah, Jessica's a virgin and she's with Nick and they're going to wait till marriage. And I remember being that age and thinking that was insane. Like I was, God, I don't know. I was like 13 or something younger, maybe. And just thinking, even at that age being like, this guy is so much older than you. He's been in other relationships. He's definitely had sex. I can't imagine they're actually not having sex before marriage. And then in the book, it seems like they really didn't ha- he like stopped having sex for her, mm-hmm. which to me is so wild. So like you meet this young young woman, she's like we're not having sex and you're like okay, I'm going to do that for you. And then you also have her wacko parents to deal with. I, I I don't know, it kind of almost to me says something about Nick that he would put up with that. Well, Nick was on Howard Stern. I don't know if you've seen this. 
Oh, I've heard of this, but I've never seen it. So please, please tell me. Well, I was actually kind of impressed with part of it. The other part is so completely inappropriate because I'm actually a huge Howard Stern fan now, but like this was in his phase, not his phase, the majority of his career (laughs) where he was, (laughs) he was, you know, I don't have to explain. He was Howard Stern. And so I was like, I cannot believe that Nick is even on this show because he's married to Jessica. Like you are not married to Pam Anderson. You know what I mean? Right. Like know your audience. Um, But (laughs) he, yes, he talked, he had to talk about all of the sexual stuff. And the part that impressed me was that Howard was trying to basically get him to admit, you know, well, you know, I I maybe, you know, had sex with someone else or, you know, whatever. And he was like, you know what? When you're traveling around in a in a boy band and, like, there's all these women screaming your name and stuff, it actually gets old. And Howard was like, yeah, but you're a young guy. Like, don't you want to be having sex with all these women and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, because he's like, you just kind of want someone who's real and, like, someone who's there for you and stuff. And I, I actually can totally see that because I think in the same way that, you know, women are just like pigeonholed and stereotyped, yeah. I think men are too, like everyone, like I grew up hearing all the time, watch out, men only want one thing yeah. and oh, you're going to drive them crazy. If you have big boobs, they're going to just lose their minds. And I'm like, they don't really lose their minds. They, you know, they definitely <laughs> like it, yeah. but they're not like, they're not just constantly like falling over themselves because there's a beautiful woman in the room like they're okay (laughs) and and Howard was like someone who really perpetuated that he was just like I love women I want naked women around me all the time and stuff and it's like yeah that's part of the male fantasy that's also part of female fantasies you know but like he was really trying to push Nick and Nick kind of stayed and stood his ground and was like look it was so worth it obviously now I'm married to her like this is this is what I wanted and so it was hard but like it was it's okay like it was worth it and he also said he didn't blatantly say it but Howard's questions were so specific that he really couldn't escape it and he basically more or less said that Jessica and him did have oral sex and do other things so while yes it's still surprising that he went four years or whatever it was without having you know sex sex I guess <laughs> like penetration I don't know how to say it you know I I feel like that's still something and then Howard was also like well you must have been masturbating all the time right like you know whatever and he was like well yeah but you know I'm not he was like I'm not above that you know like he was yeah. just like whatever so it wasn't that bad but yeah I see what you're saying it's interesting that he saw the whole situation going on and he was like yeah this is what I want I'm down yeah there there's one part in her book I can't remember the exact situation but it was something about Joe talking to Nick Nick had a beer or something and like Joe gave him a talking to do you remember this Nick had to like apologize Mm -hmm. to Joe he's like yes I had a beer in front of your daughter or something like that and I was just like god I can't imagine being what 25 years old and like having to explain to someone else's parent that I had a beer and apologizing and apologizing like I can't imagine but I guess Jessica's you know just that much of a little pixie dream girl that you'll do anything for her I mean she's that good I know she really is like obviously I'm sitting here it's episode 27 um Mm -hmm. I've been discussing her every week so I understand (laughs) Ashley 
I do understand, and I, because she is, she's not just a beautiful, nice girl. Like she really does have something special about her. And if he was looking for like realness, not someone who was just like, "Oh my god, Nick, you're so hot. I yeah. love you. Oh my god." Like if he was looking for a genuine person who was herself and strong in her convictions and comfortable with her decisions, and this is who I am, that was probably really attractive to him. To to see someone who was so young but like knew where she was going, what she was doing, who she was, all that kind of stuff so I do get it you know um I have a question for you actually what do you think of Jessica's current husband Eric yeah I well first of all when I because right before the pandemic I went to Jessica's book event I always thought oh he seems cool whatever but they brought the whole family was there Joe Tina all three kids Eric They all came walking in in this like big cavalcade and I mean my soul left my body. (laughs) I was like this is like newlyweds but better because like Nick isn't here and there's cute kids. And the kids were they were so so cute. The her son was climbing the bookshelves and oh my god, they were just so cute. And Eric, I would never have known this from pictures, but like he is so hot. Like he has this thing he has kind of like a star quality about him and when he walked in I was like whoa I was like damn I was like he is hot even though I didn't talk to him or anything I just got this vibe where I was like I love him I completely understand why she fell for this guy I would too I, I totally get it and I love the way that she talks about him like yeah. even just it's funny because if you I mean she was obviously much younger too but like if you compare it to how she talks about Nick it's more like romantic platitudes and like oh this is my fairy tale person so that's what I'm going to yeah. talk to you about now and with Eric it seems like they have this truly deep connection and she definitely she clearly believes like they're soulmates and they had you know her two her first two babies at least are like miracle babies because she had them on her off month remember because she had her yes, surgery yes. so all of that so I think she's very confident in the fact that you know she's very religious and she believes that her singing career was meant to be like god picked her for this and i think she also feels like her and eric were destined soulmates and like the babies were meant to be and all that kind of stuff so yeah it seems like for her like she seems very confident in the whole in in how her life ended up and how it was all supposed to happen this way and I actually would like to have a relationship like that I mean obviously I don't actually know it could behind the scenes be in shambles right like I don't know but if what she has presented to us is how she really feels and how things really are then it seems to me like the ideal of what you would want if you want to get married and have kids well I'm glad that that's your perspective because I mean I was asking because you're the expert on these people and from just me (laughs) (laughs) me reading the book I I just really liked him and I it seemed like he was good for her in the sense of like he's someone who comes from a different background and has different interests you know she's lived a very singular like pigeonholed life where she hasn't been able to I feel like see other perspectives or the way other people live because she's just been in this business from such a young age it was interesting to me that she was attracted to him and he was attracted to her and like enjoys her and it seems like he really likes who she is and he comes from such a different family that I was hoping that an expert's opinion was that this was a this was a good match and that this is a a nice relationship yeah I mean I really I don't see any red flags it to me if I didn't know 
I'm saying like I know her, know her, but like if I didn't know, if I didn't know Jessica to be how she is, which is like literally she is an open book, like she's always been, you know, she's just like on newlyweds announcing like, well, I'm going to do all this, all this stuff, but I have to go poop first and everything, like things like that, where it's just like, okay, thank you. Um, (laughs) If she wasn't always like that, I would be like, "Mm, I don't know. Is, is she just trying to prove to the world that she has a happy life or whatever? But I think she's just, she's just out there. She wants to share everything with everyone. She was just on the Drew Barrymore show like two days ago. and she Oh said, my God, I have to go watch that then because I can't imagine those two people on in like the same room, breathing the same air. Like <laughs> It was fascinating because Drew started the interview by thanking Jessica and saying that Jessica paved the way for her because when Drew, you know, Drew has her makeup line, which then expanded to home goods yeah. and furniture. And she also has a line with Amazon that's accessories and clothes. And now she's doing a magazine on top of her show. And Drew said that Jessica's line doing so well validated celebrity brands in the market to the point where Drew had an easier time getting investors. Wow. Oh my God. I'm so like the second we're done, I'm I'm flipping that on okay yes I was like go girl I mean that's awesome I know I'm so happy for her like I love to see it like I love to see one of the early 2000s girls who was treated like shit Mm -hmm. like she was an idiot airhead and now she has other moguls being like well no I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you it really is incredible and I really just think that Jessica is a genuine person like a truly good person and I'm glad it all worked out for her you know it it's such a hard road and she's really adapted and seems like she has such a nice family you know it's a real um it's a feel-good story it really is and I'm happy that she is continuing to write because a lot of celebrities you know they do their memoir and then they just get back to whatever else they were doing but she came out with an essay which is why she did a little promotional blitz called take the lead it's on amazon if you have prime it's free the audiobook and just the regular book and um she's it's the first of two essays that she's going to do on there and it was really beautiful like we recorded last week's episode with Derek we talked about it and how inspirational it was and we worked we got into this big conversation about life and like how we face our fears and how do we deal with ourselves you know Jessica journals and Derek was like I go on walks and (laughs) I feel like she really is like yes she's making money off of all of this and there are people that will just kind of boil it down to that but she really is kind of she's helping people in this really inspirational way because she's sharing all of these things that are embarrassing and are like when she told the story about how, I mean, I bring this up all the time, people <laughs> probably like get over it. But like when she told the story about how at the Dolly Parton concert, she totally choked and she couldn't even sing, even when they gave her another chance and everything to do it. And it was because of John Mayer texting her and breaking up with her that night and everything, which is so Ugh, it's like so obvious of course he had to do that she was yeah. having this huge moment he's not gonna let her have that like she has to be under his thumb you know yeah. and I would look up to her and I would never ever ever think that like mm-hmm. I would think she would be like whatever I'm I'm at the Dolly Parton Kennedy Center honors screw you and instead she she literally couldn't sing and it 
kills me. But hearing that, I'm like, wow, all the stuff I've been through with guys is yeah. like, it's the same for all of us. It doesn't matter how gorgeous you are, rich, talented, whatever, like, ugh, you know? Yeah, it, she's just the most relatable celebrity, I feel like, that we have. Mm-hmm. As someone who's so rich and so famous and yeah because it's yeah she's also exposing that you know at the end of the day a guy was able to have that impact on her and it makes you feel so weak to admit that but then like you other people read it and they're like yeah I felt that weak and pathetic that I let some D-bag ruin my night or ruin my week or make me do something stupid. And yeah, no matter how rich or beautiful you are, like everybody gets there, but most people don't admit it. And she admits it because she is the people's princess. Okay? (laughs) Her and Diana, you know? She is America's princess, Diana. And that is not (laughs) hyperbole, okay? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm excited because she has this Amazon deal coming up. Yes, I read something about this, but refresh my memory. I definitely read an article about this. Yeah, so she's doing the two essays and then a docuseries, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is interesting because she said she would never do reality TV again. She's also doing a scripted series about her life based on the book. That is really interesting to me because I feel like when that happens, I mean, there's tons of people, millions of people right now that have heard of her but don't even know she wrote a book and don't know what, don't remember anything that's happening with her then are just like, oh, Jessica, I remember Newlyweds, whatever. And now all those people are going to, when they open their Amazon Prime, it's going to pop up like Jessica Simpson, blah, 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 and they're going to watch it and it's going to be like, you know, there's going to be a million stands again. <laughs> I feel like yeah. it's going to be, you know. So I feel like she's really poised to um, just like have a second wave of her career, just in the sense of like having her be front and center and not not her brand and like her name attached to a brand. Like really now that she's sober and I don't know, I I can see like a next wave of her career where we really get to like experience Jessica the person again. Right. And I'm ready baby i'm so ready i really want the docuseries i really want it to be like a rachel zoe project type of thing like i want it to be yeah i want it to be like about fashion and i want to see like boardroom jessica i want to see like jessica going up to the models and like pinning their dress you know what i mean (laughs) oh my god i'm honestly yeah wow i'm dying to see this yeah i want i want to see her like clickety clacking with her little heels and pulling out a tape measure Ugh hemming something <laughs> backstage at a fashion show like get her in here where where's my model get her down here yeah like, I just yeah wow I can't wait I can't wait me too Ugh. so do you have so you said that you 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 aren't that into Jessica's music right yeah I mean I wasn't when I was younger so it's something that because of that I've like never revisited it but I mean now that we're talking so much about her I'm sure I'm going to like be listening to her for the next few days Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but yeah at the time I was a little more aligned with Ashley's music so do you have a favorite Ashley song I mean top three autobiography I think is probably my favorite 
I loved all of her singles, but autobiography, like, it's something that I put on and I just, like, rage out to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a great dance song. I think that's probably my favorite. What's your favorite Ashley song? Ugh, I don't really have one. I mean, I love Jessica's music. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. But has she made an autobiography as far as, like, the whole album goes? No, she hasn't. And I'm no. sorry – I'm sorry, Jessica Stans. I know you guys are screaming. What about In the Skin? <laughs> I I love In the Skin, okay? There's something about autobiography that I've said it before. It's like an anomaly. It doesn't yes. happen. Yes. It's, it's once in a lifetime. And it's like the way that Jessica was compared to Britney. You can't – a Britney or a Michael Jackson, you can't put them next to anybody, and it doesn't mean that – because other people aren't as good. It's a time, a place, a person, the right marketing, the right production, the right album, the right song, the right look. Everything comes together perfectly. And that's once in a generation. So to compare to me, like, it's so funny that everyone was like, well, we have to create another Britney. It's like, okay, good luck with that. Yeah. It's like the same way for autobiography, I feel like. No matter what she did, I mean, and of course SNL is like a whole other story, but like no matter what she did, the way the stars all aligned during that time was just not going to happen again anyway. So as much as I love I Am Me, I it, to me that, it's not that it doesn't compare because I think it's a really good album, but it doesn't compare. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Okay, I just pulled up autobiography and it is insane. First song autobiography which I feel like is a song that didn't get enough play like I feel like Mm -hmm. you have to be an Ashley fan like a real fan to even like know about that song like there are people young women my age who if I mentioned that song to them they would be like oh I I've never heard this song you'd have to be like it was the opening of the show yeah (laughs) Exactly. And then they'd be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. I've heard this song. It's so good. So you have autobiography. Then you have Pieces of Me, which is just unimpeachable. Mm-hmm. Then Shadow, a classic. <laughs> and then Lala. I mean, that is four bangers. I mean, Shadow's not a banger. But four unimpeachable songs, one after the other after the other, that is so rare. I, I would honestly give anything for Ashley to um, to tour again and, like, have her actually, like, do her old songs. I want her to, like, relive what her glory could have been if SNL didn't happen. I know. Ugh. She has to. She really has to. I say this all the time also but like I think it's crazy that she's not taking advantage of this like early 2000s resurgence because girl there are some young people like there are some like 16 17 like 20 year olds yeah they've heard about oh something happened on SNL or whatever but they're just like oh my god Ashley Simpson got played why isn't she a bigger star like what happened and I'm like uh give me a drink okay give me a stiff drink I'll explain it to you she could totally have a moment right now she could have a tour and it would be perfect because people our age would just like lose our minds but she also really could get all those 12 year olds that are like yeah this is so early 2000s you're totally I think she would be honestly shocked at how well a tour would go for her like how to me, it's something where if I found out she was touring, and I know that this is true for women that I know, it would be something where I would be like, yeah, I'll, I'll throw down $200, $300 on this. 
Of course. Without I would lose my eye. job. Off the top of my head, there are few people I would be more excited to see, like, as a nostalgia act than Ashley. Mm-hmm. Because I've already seen the Spice Girls when they tour it again. But if they tour it again, again, I mean, yes, I would also pay like three or four hundred dollars to see them. But other than that, yeah, she's like someone I would be the most excited to see. Yeah, I mean, I feel that way about Jessica too. But because autobiography was just such a like, I got into Jessica's music more after like when I was older I got more into her music because she was the more mature one even though it's it's so funny how when you watch back you're like she was not like (laughs) she was not super mature but because she was a wife and she was trying to figure out how to cook for Nick and stuff and Ashley was just like running around in a fat bastard costume oh my god you know like best moment ever I mean like you're saying I just connected more with her on such a deep level at the time that to be in the audience like screaming love me for me or something it would be like transformative yeah the thing about Ashley's music is it is more of concert type music Mm -hmm. I mean Jessica's pop music too so like that's also fun but I do feel like with Ashley because it has like this slight pop punk feel to it where you want to like jump around I feel like that just lends itself so much to just a live experience it does I actually saw Ashley on the I am me tour no how was it it was every like it was everything I ugh I mean, it was it was in a little club, which was so cool because, I mean, it sucks because she should have do- been doing arenas, but yeah. thank you to her drummer who freaking played the wrong song and then just let it play. Girl, Still mad at him. girl. Okay, did you see that live? Because I saw that live. Mm-hmm. I think about it all the time. Like, yeah. And I, <laughs> I never once blamed her. Never once. I always blamed that drummer. And the one thing that I will say, which is why you never have your parents who know nothing about the business work for you and be your manager, is the PR spin should have all gone onto that drummer. Instead of like having Ashley be like, oh, I made a mistake. It all should have been, I had acid reflux. I couldn't sing. Um, People do this all the time. And this little idiot played the wrong song. It yeah. People do this all the time. Exactly. And what I would have done is I would have said, we're setting up a VH1 storytellers mm-hmm. today. She mm-hmm. is, well, maybe not today because she can't sing literally because of acid reflux. But whenever she can sing again, she's not doing the orange bowl. She's not screaming la la into the void. She <laughs> she is going to do a little VH1 storyteller thing where she talks about all the songs and her boyfriends and Jessica yes. and all the little stories. And she really sings and she's not going to speak for two weeks before this happens. Okay? She's not going to eat pancakes and oranges oh okay. my god <laughs> like I would I would literally if I was Joe and Tina I would lock her in a sauna for two weeks mm-hmm. and be like you live here now and we are saving your image and this and that's it and like and anyone that, would have done that any yeah. PR person would have known to do that if Joe and Tina were not having their little fingers in this pot when they don't know what they're doing this was something that could so easily have been have been fixed. I think. I know. I know. It could have. It still would have been bad. It but still it, would it have, been, have bad. been better. Yeah. 
I don't know. I really do. Like, I, I love Joe and Tina, and they know about this podcast. So, uh, hi, guys. Um, hi, guys. Uh, I you love guys you guys. Like, I think you guys are so great. You love your daughters, and we think that's so chic. However, never be afraid <laughs> of hiring a professional PR spin person. Don't be afraid of it. Yes. So that said, I do blame them because even though, yes, she was an adult and she should have handled her acid reflux and stuff better, I am not 20 years old and my parents still are sometimes like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you better do this or that or whatever. And like, if I was on SNL, I just can't imagine being 20 and my parents not being like, look, you need to be on time. You're not going out with your girlfriends. I get to that they're, maybe they have more of a mentality of like, she's an adult. This is her situation, whatever. But also they're always there micromanaging everything. So like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're too codependent and micromanaging to be like, oh no, she's an adult. She can do what she wants. This is what I think it is. And when I rewatched the show, it was like watching a a slow, slow, slow car crash just because- (laughs) You know what's coming. You know what's coming. And also for me, like, I used to do musical theater, and I have terrible acid reflux. And I just know what it's like to eat a certain way and, like, feel the difference in your voice when you're, like, drinking, when you're eating too much. It does, like, singe your throat. And I do think that it's just, like... Uh, two people, two parents who don't know that much about singing, not even, and also Ashley, like at that point, like Ashley hadn't been doing like voice lessons for years or anything like that. Like, I don't think she really understood how much damage she was doing. Having that like friggin' breakfast binge of eating all of that stuff. Like if you're already someone who has acid reflux, that's going to ruin you. It will change your voice. Now, there are some people who are, like, really amazing singers, and it will hurt their voice, but they're still going to sound great. But if you're someone like Ashley, who is a good singer, but, like, you don't have a huge range, and it's kind of, like, a little tenuous as it is, like, because her songs are so creamy and so belty that yeah if you're eating bacon and orange juice you're gonna have huge acid reflux and it's going to make it too hard for you to get to those high notes yeah I can't even imagine because I don't have acid reflux but I'm a performer and the last big musical I did before the pandemic was American Idiot so like that's oh ooh, ooh la la (laughs) that's like kind of in the Ashley range like I also I do theater but like I definitely have more of a pop rock voice I was the main character of American Idiot but that wouldn't happen if it was South Pacific you know what I mean yeah so like it's it's crazy the difference between like what Ashley was doing and what I was doing which is like treating my body like a fortress yeah and being like your only function is Sing and dance and act well. Nothing else in the world matters. Mm-hmm. Drinking tea all the time, honey, getting nutrients, all that kind of stuff. And I was in a small production. Yeah. <laughs> like, this was not Broadway, okay? But you always are supposed to, like, it was always pounded into my head growing up. You need to act like you are you know, the Beatles at Shea Stadium, every single performance you do, because, you know, you never know where your career is going to take you and you need to be your best every single time and all that kind of stuff. And the fact that she was just so like, 
cavalier was, about it. Yes, it was SNL, like, girl. And I think the issue with her, if it wasn't what happened, which I wish it wasn't what happened, I feel like something else would have happened because she was so inexperienced. Yeah. Hadn't even had a voice lesson. Like, she would have done something else that would have been, like, she's maybe not canceled in, in that big of a way, but there would yeah. have been something else. Or maybe she would have ended up with mental health issues or, like, something, yeah. you know, or, like, she would have had an addiction or something like you know what I mean because she wasn't prepared she was just handed everything whereas Jessica had to work over a period of so many years I mean she was doing the freaking like jump for Jesus with her mom in the aerobics class she really (laughs) started to understand what this was so that when she even though she was kind of tortured by Tommy Mottola and all of that with the weight and trying to be like Britney and stuff, she had this preparation of it, you know, like she knew in some way what was happening and what she was getting into. And Ashley, I feel like it was just, she was handed everything. She truly is talented. So it was this perfect storm of like, okay, you're handed everything, but you actually deserve it because you are really talented and you're writing these amazing songs and you're rewarded for it. But I feel like if there's not that buildup that Jessica had Mm -hmm. and that so many performers have where it's like years upon years upon years of rejection, like Ashley didn't have that. Ashley went to the freaking American Ballet Academy in New York City. She seemed to have, she knocked it out of the park every single time. So I I wish something that was not as bad as SNL, but was still bad happened to her when she was younger. And then she could have kind of been more prepared for life. It's funny because I feel like we have a a similar, some sort of similar background. I mean, the musical theater that I used to do was just like community theater, but in New Hampshire of all places. But like, I also had it beat into me, even though it was just like, small theaters doing stupid little musical theater shows like in Nashua, New Hampshire, like 40 minutes outside of Boston, like truly nothing. But it was still like, <laughs> like, oh, you're not talking the whole day uh, yeah. if you're performing at night or if, if you're the lead and you have a tickle in your throat, like you're on vocal rest. And the stakes were so low. So to me, re-watching it, it's like, yeah, you don't know that it's literally bonkers for you to be going to a Mexican restaurant and drinking your ass off the night before a show. I can't fathom it. I cannot. You know? I can't fathom it. And it's literally simply because she never had the buildup that Jessica had. Like, I do wonder, actually, the sort of whatever tension that the two of them have between each other, I wonder if part of it was, like, Jessica watching the show or also just knowing about it because, you know, she was her sister. Like, seeing how Ashley was getting this opportunity because of Jessica and Jessica watching her being incredibly cavalier about it. Mm Mm-hmm. And kind of getting it handed to her and not taking it seriously and not caring about taking voice lessons or, you know, caring about, oh, I have acid reflux. That's something that is so easy to get a handle on. Right. It's just don't eat these things. Don't drink before a performance. (laughs) Like, it's very easy if you care. And I wonder if that is, like, Ashley resents her for kind of taking the spotlight and Jessica resents her for taking what was handed to her and then squandering it. Yeah, it's definitely possible that Jessica was looking at this like, girl, I paved the way. 
I had to put in the work. Yes, like you need to be appreciative. You need to show up. You need Mm -hmm. to really prove yourself because, I mean, I feel like most, like you're saying, most celebrity families are not like Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal. Like people don't look at them as like, oh, Jake is so much more famous and blah, blah, blah. Like even though he is, there's a lot of celebrity families that are like, you know, like Britney and Jamie Lynn. Mm -hmm. It's like, Jamie Lynn is Jamie Lynn. She's not, you know what I mean? Like. I, I like no offense no one thinks of her as like a star you know no no she's her own she's jamie lynn god bless her she's jamie lynn right exactly you know most people would probably in ashley's shoes just be like kissing the ground that jessica walked yeah. on mm-hmm. and ashley wasn't she was like just vibing you know she was, <laughs> she just, was like- literally just vibing <laughs> And and you know what, it's it's so, the reason why it is so interesting is because the songs are really genuinely good, and they did come from her. Yeah. You know, because my friend, we did a fun episode where my friend does tarot cards, and she didn't know a lot about Jessica and Ashley at all, and she did a reading on them, and she was like, correct me if I'm wrong, but she's like, do you think Ashley didn't really want to do music? And at first I was like, no way. She definitely, like, she wrote all of her songs. If she didn't want to do it, they could have just handed her whatever songs and that would have been the end of it, you know, like they did with every other young girl on their first album. It's like most of them didn't write. But no, she was adamant about, I want to be this artist. I'm not going to be Hilary Duff. I'm not going to be Jessica. You know, whereas somebody else might have just been like, hey, I'll take what I can get. I want to be famous. I want to have an album come out. And then I was thinking, like, maybe, because what you said earlier too, like, she wasn't able to explore their interests. Maybe she was just like, oh, this is what we do in the, our family. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and she just happened to be really good at it. And like I said, if it wasn't for the songs being so good and being written by her, I would buy a lot more into that. Yeah. But it could also be true that she just happens to be a really talented songwriter. I mean, maybe she was meant to be a screenwriter or a novelist. Like, maybe who knows if those writing talents that she has could have been applied elsewhere that would have made her happier. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I don't know. But she never, I just can't imagine that she ever really got an opportunity to like soul search yeah and that's what I keep wondering now because I don't know what goes on behind the scenes but it seems like she's just focusing on being a mom and she does like Instagram ads basically seems like what her income is which I say this again every week I'm always like I'm so happy for her that she can literally just take some pictures and record a little video and she probably makes six figures for that that's amazing that she gets to just be with her kids right but at the same time, I'm like, this person is so talented. Like, you yeah. don't need to do a brand deal with Applebee's, girl. Although we like, love Applebee's. <laughs> I loved watching her drink mojitos with I. Oh, I loved that. Evan. Evan. I yeah. loved that so much. Uh, I mean, it couldn't the have hats. been better. The hats, Applebee's, all of it. It was just like a perfect storm. I loved it. Yeah. First of all, she is from Texas. Like, I always forget because Ashley seems so much more not Texas-y as opposed to Jessica, who's like Miss Texas. I always forget. They grew up like, you know, you get married and have kids and that's that's what we do. And I'm like, maybe she always just wanted to be a mom and like, that's what's happening now. And she had her fun and she had this amazing moment where she got to express herself through music and stuff. And now it's just not as much of a thing. She's just like, yeah, I wanted to be a mom. Maybe that's really just what it is. Yeah, I mean, I also wonder, too, like, maybe she really didn't want to perform. Is it possible, like, a better use of her talents 
would be for her to be a songwriter. Mm -hmm. Of course, her family, her parents would maybe like see her talent. She's beautiful. Like, of course, why wouldn't you be a performer? But, you know, maybe, you know, you can love music and be really good at music and not be a star. You can be a, a mom who just, you know, works with other artists and, you know, creates these bangers that we're all begging for. Ashley, please give us give us something else. But she yeah. doesn't have to be the one who performs them necessarily. That's the thing is I'm like, maybe she is just like a John Shanks. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I mean, I loved her concert. Like when I saw her live and my mom took me, my mom took me to a billion concerts. Thank you, mom, MVP. But anytime I bring up Ashley, she's like, that was one of the best concerts that wow. we've ever been to. She's like, I loved that concert. She was so good, blah, blah, blah. And I agree, but I can't even judge it because I was like this kid who was obsessed and she was right in front of me and singing. And obviously I would have thought it was the greatest thing that ever happened, even if she then stabbed me or something. (laughs) I would have been like, thank you. Um, (laughs) Thank you. One more, please. (laughs) Yeah. I do think, though, that because me and Troy were talking about this, I think she does have an it factor, but it's her personality. Mm -hmm. It's, It's not like she gets on stage at the Grammys and you're like floored by that, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying she's not a good performer, but maybe her strength, like her real strength is songwriting, like you're Mm -hmm. saying. I would love to see her write for like the Jonas Brothers or Miley Cyrus. You know what it is too is we, I think people have it in their heads that just because someone is conventionally attractive and has talent means that they should be a performer. Being a performer is incredibly difficult and demanding and it's also, it makes you very vulnerable and you have to be on all the time even when you're not doing the thing that you like doing which is you know, singing or acting or whatever, like you have to be on in interviews. And just because you could be a famous performer doesn't mean that you want to be or should be or that this is the path that would make you the happiest. And I think people, I think especially your parents probably looked at her and was like, yeah, here's our other talented daughter, of course she would be famous, but it could just be like, be a writer. That's still like a really great path. You to, to have a fulfilling path in life, you don't have to be a performer just because you're pretty enough to do it. Exactly. And it's the family dynasty thing. Yeah. I also think about Kylie and Kendall. They don't know who they are. Who yeah. would they be? What could they do? How do you grow up in that that situation is so weird it's it's kind of like going back to the girls next door thing too it's like with holly if you just looked at her you would be like she's like a blonde playboy girl and she has this completely different personality than what the stereotype of that is yeah she's the biggest nerd on planet earth and i say that with love because same the biggest nerd yeah probably is one of those people that goes to like a convention and has pointy elf ears yes absolutely I can picture her of course and it's like these roles that women and I men too but I'm a woman so I don't know as much about what right. that is these roles that women women are just forced into and then it's like okay I guess I'm gonna be this yeah exactly I mean <laughs> I remember hearing that Holly was 
getting into like writing fiction, like becoming an author. It's been a while since I've heard anything about it, but I was just like so excited for her to hear that she's been positioning herself as a performer, a reality star. You know, she wanted to be an actress. And then I heard her on a podcast and she was talking about how much she loved writing. And I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I hope she's, I hope she's still doing it because if that like makes her happy, like she's such a creative person. Just because she's, you know, this blonde bombshell doesn't mean she has to stick with that for the rest of her life. Yeah, totally. I also wonder, well, okay, I have some more tea. Oh, do go on. So when I read Holly's second book, I really liked it. It was called The Vegas Diaries. Did you read that one? Uh, Yes. I was waiting the whole time for her to get to like the marriage and the kids and everything because she just kind of summed it up at the end it was it was all about yeah her show and josh and that whole kind of stuff and i was like okay i want to know about the kids and the family because that was what she wanted so badly like it was all she ever said on the damn show and now she has it like why isn't this part of the story and so i heard i this is not fact but this is what i heard that her she was supposed to do a trilogy it was supposed to be like the first book is playboy the second book is the transition and the third book is everything about her you know her love story and that whole thing with pasquale and the kids and all of that but then because her marriage broke up she had to like start over and do a different kind of book and apparently she she does have a third book that's coming out but it's completely different than what it was originally supposed to be so i really wonder about that too because that must have been really really hard because when I heard that I just like kind of put it all together in my mind because I was like that makes sense because why would she be so vague in the second book yeah it's because she was coming out with a third newlyweds kind of you know what I mean yeah oh, kind of wow. thing. I feel I wish I could like read that like I want to know what that was and I'm, I'm kind of wondering is she going to instead expose that her marriage was actually bad or is she just going to completely not talk about it I feel like Pasquale might have had her I mean he's not famous famous but he has a brand he might have had her sign something like she can't write about him I in a negative way well yeah I mean I wonder because on this totally random podcast that she was on she was talking about him and they had already been broken up and she was just saying it I didn't really get this sense that she had any legitimate ill will towards him she was talking about like how lucky she was that they have a really great co-parenting relationship and it seemed very copacetic I don't know if maybe that's just what she is kind of presenting to the world for the benefit of her children but it seemed to me pretty genuine and then now she has this new boyfriend and she like barely talks about him at all like she's being very protective of the relationship Mm -hmm. did you hear her interview on the call her daddy podcast yes I mean I thought that was like interesting too she talks about how she thinks that she's maybe autistic right and which when she said that I was like I mean yeah that honestly like that makes like I could see it Mm -hmm. and she was talking about how Pasquale was like mentioned once like how hard of a time he had connecting 
with her in certain ways and it seems like she you know has trouble connecting with people socially sometimes so I mean I don't know I know I I was wondering about that too especially because that was messed up too because didn't she say that her husband like went to her mom and was like what's wrong with Holly yeah he went to her mom and was like I have a hard time connecting with her and she was like you know I people used to say all the time like is your daughter autistic and she was like and I just like you know didn't do anything about it and didn't think twice well maybe I mean it was a different time where people didn't like it wasn't a part of the zeitgeist as much um no not in the 80s not in the 80s so it was a very different time yeah and I also wonder like if she is autistic or even if she isn't I mean if she is then it's kind of a double whammy but how what is it like to be with Hef and have to put this weird wall up with him but also be like no 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 no! I'm all in we're having a baby and this is what we're going to do for our wedding Bridget and Kendra are going to be bridesmaids and all that kind of stuff (laughs) but it's not a real it's not really real how well could she then do even though it was years later it's like this is this was a long time in her life like we were saying it was like eight years what happens then with how you connect with other men like I feel as though maybe it would have been better for her to not be with anyone who's like the king of something like yeah hef was obviously he's in a league of his own with publishing and then there's chris angel who's the famous magician besides david blaine yeah and then pasquale who is the king of this electric daisy carnival like to people who love raves he's god yeah you know and the thing is now she's with zach bagans who's like king of the paranormal tv world I oh, I didn't like, know who her – I knew she had a boyfriend, but I didn't – wow. Is, like, Bridget losing her mind? Oh, I'm sure she is. Yeah, he has a ton of shows. I actually did one of them. Um, yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get to meet him, but, but, yeah, I had to act very scared. It was a gripping, tragic performance, but um, – He has, like, a bunch of – like, he had Ghost Adventures, which is the one he became famous for. Mm -hmm. But then he had a lot of other shows, too, that he just produced that he's not really the face of. But he's still, like, getting the coin and is in control of everything. So, yeah, I was on a show called Deadly Possessions about, like, objects that are haunted, you know? Of course, Um, yes. True stories, okay. And – that's his whole thing and then he goes ghost hunting and does shows about it and then produces other like ghost story shows and then he also owns that museum in vegas which i assume is how she met him he runs like a haunted objects museum oh my god yeah and bridget went there and did like i'm surprised he hasn't been on her show yet to my knowledge because she went into the museum and did a interview with like one of the museum curators and stuff and they were talking about you know all this scary shit there and like how they felt and all that kind of stuff so i don't know and then did you hear the episode where bridget and holly did a seance and they were like talking to half yeah okay so i know about that episode but i haven't um i didn't listen to it is it worth is it worth doing? Is it worth checking out? Okay, so I'm like super into that stuff. I believe in the paranormal. Like I've had experiences myself. I'm not in Bridget's league, but like I'm, <laughs> I am I totally get it. Like I, I don't listen to her podcast with that regularly, but I get it. So I was interested in it for that reason, but I was more interested in it because at that point, besides her book, Holly would never talk about Hef. Yeah. So the fact that, that, that they were sitting with this medium who was like, oh, Hef is in the room and you know, he's saying this and that. And Holly was like, 
aw, and all that kind of stuff. I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> okay, that sounds worth, yeah, okay, I'm gonna check that out. It's really long, though. There's a bunch of it that, it's not, like, hef the whole time. There's a lot of kind of, like, random stuff, and even me being someone who's into that stuff, I was kind of like, oh, this is long, you know? Yeah. Um, But the, par- the parts with hef and stuff, I was really interested in because Bridget also was talking about this dream she had. Did Did you hear about that? Like she no. had a dream after Hef died. Okay, so she feels as though Hef visited her in a dream because toward the end of his life, she kept trying to get up to the mansion and she, for most of the time, post Girls Next Door, even while he was married to Crystal and everything, like she was one of the people who continuously went up there all the time and she was part of the family still and all of that. And then toward the end when he really started to get sick, I guess they just kept it really, really close. And she would try, like, she would call there. It was really unclear what was going on. Like, she didn't understand why they weren't letting her come visit him. And she really wanted to. And then when she was hearing through the grapevine, he was really, really sick. And it was the end. Possibly she really tried to get up there and they wouldn't let her. And she felt so slighted because she was like I lived with him for eight years you know like I want to say goodbye to him she had very strong feelings about it and they just wouldn't let her and she couldn't talk to him so she felt horrible about that and then after he died she said that she had a dream where I mean I don't remember the exact story but basically I think she was in the like she walked into the mansion and then he came downstairs wearing the you know the smoking jacket like classic hef and everything and he welcomed her in this like really warm way and gave her this big hug and she said that she could smell his cologne it was so vivid it felt the same way that it really felt to hug him and every detail was so clear in her mind and all that kind of stuff and that she woke up feeling like that was him saying goodbye to her because they didn't really get to have that in real life wow so Bridget told the medium that and the medium of course confirmed it and was like yeah that was him visiting you and And then Holly actually refused to talk about something that happened with her and Hef after he passed away. She said that there was some kind of ghost experience that she had with him and that she feels like she gets signs from him or things like that. But she wouldn't say exactly what it was because she knew it it would be like a soundbite that they would pull out and they would be like, Holly claims Hef crawled into her bed at night or whatever. And so I totally understand why she wouldn't say that. But like obviously I'm dying to know what the hell that is so maybe someday she'll talk about it I don't know what do you think then like so of course like Kendra was pissed about Holly's book and you know the way Holly has talked about Hef what do you think Bridget's perspective is on on Holly's book and everything because it always seemed to me like you know she never she never seemed to like disagree with anything that Holly said but yet she stayed close with him Mm -hmm. and I'm just like wondering what like what is that like what I think about that too is it just because Bridget is someone who's just like a people pleaser and maybe she is completely on Holly's side and but she's still like, I don't know, had maybe like a Stockholm syndrome of a sort where she still like has to go visit Hef and like still wants to be a part of that Playboy world, like maybe a little brainwashed or I just, it's, that part's really interesting to me that she kind of like is able to be cool with Kendra and like play the Kendra world and then play in the Holly world and the Playboy world. And she's just like Switzerland. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she's such an inoffensive person. Like, yeah. she's just such a vanilla 
I mean, for someone who's been on the cover of Playboy, like, she's just very, everyone loves her. Like, everyone, you know? And I think that, I think it's maybe, like, what we were talking about before, because she had a whole other life and everything. Yeah. I think that she acknowledges everything that Holly says, and she's not negating any of it but for her the part that was cutting deep for her was like the photo shoot stuff mm-hmm. whereas holly's i mean can you imagine like sleeping next to him every night no. with like everything going through her mind that makes me so sad to think of her with him in bed at night when they're sleeping you know or when he's sleeping and she's just like laying there thinking about everything going on Bridget was sound asleep with her cat you know what I mean like she was fine you know she was good and she also had the degrees to fall back on and everything she knew that she had she had an identity already so I think that she can say like yes everything that Holly is saying is true and all of that is real and that happened but because I was in a different place in my life at the time I can still go up there and see him because I was more of a fully formed adult who made a choice and I wasn't I mean maybe there is a secret story we don't know about maybe Bridget was desperate too and she was she couldn't pay her rent either but to think about you know I mean imagine if you couldn't pay your rent and you were being forced with moving home and instead you moved into the Playboy Mansion yeah obviously there's so much more being desperate to move in there and choosing to move in there is a totally different thing so I think Holly also accepts that too like I think I think maybe in some ways Holly envies Bridget because Bridget can still enjoy what happened there whereas Holly's like oh this person took advantage of me when I had nothing you know wanted to keep me in his his little world and control me and have me be a representative of oh look at this guy he's so he's still such a lothario with these hot women and all that kind of stuff I think the difference of like Bridget knowing like I think Bridget knew the deal like she knew her place you have to know your place in the whole in the pecking order basically yeah and it actually like what you're saying really makes sense to in regards to uh like Kendra's view of everything because I think Kendra doesn't have the maturity to look at it and be like, you know, Holly was living a different situation than I was. I think Kendra also, maybe she does now, uh, but at the time, I feel like even the bad things that might have been happening to her, she wasn't fully like taking them on and like aware of certain things at that time in her life because she was so young. But also, you know, she wasn't the main girlfriend. She wasn't sharing a room with him. So her reading Holly's book, it's like, oh, there are so many lies in this. These are lies. But she doesn't see it the way Bridget probably sees it, which is we had our own rooms. We were not the main girlfriend. We we were able to kind of come into the mansion on our own accord, whereas Holly was in a desperate situation and you know she was experiencing something that we were not and I feel like Kendra hopefully maybe eventually she'll see it that way but at least for a period I feel like she just kind of saw it as like well I didn't experience that so you're lying right and because she was she was too immature to understand that at the time whereas like Bridget totally probably understood it yeah. you know yeah like I think if say Holly had suddenly moved out in like 2006 or something and Hef was like okay Bridget you're my number one girlfriend now I think she would have been like I'm good in my room yeah um, well I don't know I can't you know I, I can't keep my cats in your room because they need you know they're comfortable in this room over here like I feel like she yeah, would have exactly. had some nice way to tell him no yeah you know like There's just so much to it. Yeah, because also when Holly became the number one girlfriend, it kind of happened kind of quickly, but also on top of it, like she didn't have 
the insight of what it meant to be a number one girlfriend. When she came into the mansion and like Tina Jordan was the number one girlfriend, she wasn't close with her. She didn't, they weren't like talking intimately about what it's like and how, you know, Tina feels when the lights are off and it's just the two of them. But Bridget, if Holly had left in like 2006 or 2007 and she was given that opportunity, Bridget would be like fully aware of Mm -hmm. what that would entail in a way that Holly, I don't think, could have ever really realized. Yeah. I really identify and sympathize with Holly because like I feel very similar to her in in certain ways. For me, I grew up in New Jersey, so I lived right outside of New York City. So I didn't have to move anywhere in order to pursue show business, uh, which was a magical thing. Thank you for that. Um, But for Holly to like have the courage to move to Hollywood and quit school and get an agent and everything, which she successfully did, which is amazing, and start pursuing stuff and it's not working out and she's not making any money. I would love to say that in that scenario, I would be like, I'm not going to have sex with this old man. I don't care if it is Hugh Hefner. I don't care who it is. I'm not going to do that. But yeah, when I think about how dedicated I am to my dreams and everything involving entertainment business, not just performing, but everything, I'm like addicted to movies, music, Hollywood glamour, like all that kind of stuff that she's into I am super into so while I would like to be high and mighty and be like oh I never would have done that I could totally see how a young girl you know would be like well okay I'm not a movie star but this is Hollywood I mean you know Playboy from the 50s until basically this show ended yeah there were some lulls but like it was the epitome of Hollywood glamour and excess and it's the example of these people do not have to live by everyday rules and they don't have to go to a job every day in an office and they don't have to have one wife or one girlfriend or whatever they get to do whatever the hell they want I could totally see how how getting a respite from hustling and driving from audition to audition and like she was a Hooters girl plus she was modeling for Hawaiian Tropic trying to make it and being like you know this isn't ideal but I'm gonna move in here I I totally get it yeah as someone who uh I moved from New Hampshire to LA like yeah I I'd like to think that I wouldn't do it but I also cannot be sure that I would not like yeah I I just think you can especially like how young she was you know, when you have a dream, like, I just, I just think it's hard to judge anyone as far as like, what, what they'll do to achieve it. And, you know, as long as you're not hurting someone else, it's just, right. It's hard to judge someone of what they, they will put up with to achieve their dreams. Exactly. And, and I'm not even talking about from a me too perspective. I'm talking about from a more like, I don't know, I don't want to say anything offensive, but like, (laughs) How many women did things similar to this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That were not filmed, you know, and men. Just people in Hollywood that have to do what they have to do to make it. And sometimes it's not even sexual. It's like... How many, like, how many of our, you know, what if we found out that, like, Jennifer Garner really screwed some other person over? We would be shocked. But, like, also, that's just what happens. It's a tough business and it's crazy. That's why it's called Holly Weird. It's insane. So these things happen and you would like to think that in that scenario you would be this perfect golden child, but we're all human, you know? Well, and I also think, too, when it comes to Hollywood is, you know, in in Holly's book, she talks about how, um, like, just before she moved into the mansion, she had these other friends that were also trying to make it, and it just, like, wasn't happening. 
and like one of them moved home and you know they're all kind of dropping out and that happens all the time yep and the people who ultimately ultimately usually the people who make it who are not people who come from like families with money where they're just like paying their way so the stakes are low or people who come from families where they're in the business where they have an automatic in if you're not in either of those categories uh yeah, you have to like really like dig your heels in to yep. make it to the next level because most people who come off the bus to to try and make it pretty quickly, you're tested and most people move home. The people who don't move home are people who like Holly are willing to like do what it, whatever it takes. Yes, exactly. And you and I completely also understand like the whole thing of well I can't leave now I need to make something out of this yeah absolutely you can't like I've made it this far I've done this much I'm not going to just go oh well you know I did all this shit and then it didn't work out and I have nothing to show for it listen are we all mentally ill for trying to be in this business absolutely like Mm -hmm. terrible terrible stuff But, you know, if you want to do it, you really have to, you have to want it so bad. I know, it's like ridiculous. I I have people all the time, they say to me like, oh my gosh, I wish I could do what you do. Like, I did all these plays and I don't know, like I thought I could do something with it, but you know, whatever. And I'm just like, I don't have a magic wand. I don't have a trust fund. I don't have anyone related to me in the business. I am out here. Like, that's it. I'm out here. Like, yeah. you can do it. But the thing is, the fact that people can, and that's another thing about um about Ashley or any other person that you think is like, oh, whatever happened to them? A, a lot of them, it's not that they failed. It's that they're like, oh, I don't want to keep up with this yeah. shit. Andrew McCarthy is coming out with a book and apparently there's going to be like heavy tea in it is what I'm hearing. Ooh. And I'm like dying to know that because I'm super into all the 80s Brat Pack stuff. And he is more of a travel writer now. Like he wrote a bunch of books about traveling and he would write articles and stuff. Um, just like any other travel writer who wasn't starring in Pretty in Pink would be doing sure um and a lot of people were like oh well what ever happened to him you know his career totally failed after weekend at bernie's or whatever and it's like he probably was just over it yeah (laughs) he had his moment and he was like you know he's like well i want to write about the maldives now so and like that's what i'm gonna go do what a what a gorgeous life to like take that money that you made and like go do something else because you all the other thing is too is kristen Johnson said this that in acting or in Hollywood in general there's no joy there's just relief (laughs) and it's it's true in the sense of like you can be in pretty in pink you can star in pretty in pink you can star in movies and once that movie is over you just have to find the next movie yep you have to find your next gig you are never set up for life it's not like any other job where oh I've hit a certain level. So if I get fired from this job, I know that I can find another job. You can you can be at a very, very high level, get a job, get a bunch of jobs, and then you can't really find anything else. Or like, you can, but it's you have to like lower your standards of what you're going to do. And then yeah, a lot of people just go, Oh, this is it's been great. It's been real. I'm gonna go to the Maldives. Exactly. And that's a great life that and yeah. the fact to be that you can make that choice too. And that you don't have to do a, a toothpaste commercial yeah. or whatever just to like stay in SAG 
is yeah (laughs) I mean it's one of the weirdest craziest things and that's why I always tell people like if someone asks me if they're like oh should I get on backstage or something what should I do and I'm like do you really want to know what you should do because what you should do is run in the other direction yeah unless you feel like in the pit of your stomach on a random Thursday when you're just home and you just are you and you're not doing anything that like you will not be happy unless you're doing this Unless you literally have that feeling that there's nothing else in the world that will make you feel like a complete person, you need to completely forget about it. <laughs> because completely it's just like... forget about it. <laughs> Sorry. And it's also like you you also have to um, look at yourself and be like, am I willing to watch all of my childhood friends like get married, own a home, advance in their careers? Are you willing to watch that happen while you roll the dice? in your one bedroom apartment that like things will eventually work out because they might Mm -hmm. and then like when that happens all of those childhood friends with their you know little kids that they're annoyed with will look at you and be like oh my god what an incredible life you have and you'll look at yourself and say wow I can't believe I get to do this for a living but you have no guarantee that that will happen and you have to be okay with like watching all of these other people advance in their lives while you're like struggling you have to be ready for that too (laughs) so run in the other direction (laughs) (laughs) totally and that relief thing it happens like I think about this all the time the happiest moments for me are like when I'm driving to a set or something and I've I know I have the role I've already done everything that I need to do and I'm prepared and everything and it's not that time yet where I have to start auditioning for other things like I can I can still be like okay I don't have time to do that right now because I'm working on this or whatever yeah and I'm driving there at that moment and I'm like I am a working actor and I am succeeding at this and it doesn't matter that I'm not starring in a Martin Scorsese movie it's just I am actually a working actor and that is amazing But it's literally, it lasts a day, if that, you know, and then you're just like, oh my God, (laughs) you're like, wait, how long has it been since my last thing? Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a tough business and I wouldn't recommend it for anyone. (laughs) No, and it's like, because I'm not famous, people don't, like, if I was, um, I think David Arquette was talking about this, how because he was in Scream, it's, he can never live up to that. He's never going to be in anything like that again. Not because he's not great, but because, like we were saying before, like, it's like an anomaly what happened with Scream. Yeah. So it's almost like, do you want to even touch that part of heaven or whatever because you can't go anywhere after that. It's always going to be, oh, well, you know, he was a disappointment after that. Yeah. And it's like, no, he's he's still working in the business. He has a career. He's one of the very few people in the world in history that has a real acting career. And yet people think he like disappeared or failed. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like I would kill for his career anyway. Yeah, I always think too, <laughs> like um, the funny thing is like, especially if you were born and raised in LA or New York City, like people get, the business a little bit differently but if you're from anywhere else like the people from your hometown will only think that you're successful if you are in a scream or something like that Mm -hmm. and uh, I remember like I was talking to someone about Thomas Lennon and he's a comedian he was in um like Reno 911 but yeah if you just knew him as an actor you'd be like that's like not that successful of an like he you know, I, I guess I remember that guy. I, like, I recognize him. But right. I just, like, imagine, like, what his parents explained to their friends. Like, oh, yeah, um, my son. They're like, oh, yeah, I saw him in that thing, kind of. Like, is he doing okay? But really, he, like, 
wrote the Night at the Museum movies. He mm-hmm. is a millionaire. He is so much richer than anyone would imagine he is. Like, he has an incredible career as a screenwriter. But because it's just like, nobody really thinks that hard about screenwriters it's like oh is he doing okay yeah I get that kind of stuff all the time like people think that Angelina Jolie and Julia Roberts are like the only actresses that are successful in the world or something you know and I was just talking about this the other day with Bob Odenkirk because people always talk about him as though like oh my god he finally like got his moment with Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul now he's a star and whatever and I'm like okay yeah now he's a star but like he wrote the sketch of Chris Farley doing the motivational speaker. Yeah. He, that wouldn't exist without him, okay? People don't even realize the things that happen behind the scenes in show business because even somebody like an Angelina Jolie, she's standing on the shoulders of like a thousand people. It's so many different elements that have to come together for that kind of fame and career. And like, I would love to get the chance to work on some of the things that she's worked on and some of the roles that she's had because they've been really meaty. But like, if I could just trade places with her, would I know? (laughs) You know what I mean? No way. (laughs) Zero percent. Zero. Yeah. And that's why I always think like, it's kind of similar to the whole Bridget thing. When I was really little, I wanted to be famous. I was like, I want to be like Britney. I want to be Julia Roberts or somebody like that. And then when I started to get to be like a teenager and stuff, I was like, okay, I'm starting to understand that not only is that like a very small chance but it also is just not the ideal thing that I think I want I started to understand how it was not everything you know and then I started to want to be more of like a Parker Posey or someone who is known in the industry like people obviously love her and respect her but when she's walking down the street is she mobbed by people no no she might not be the richest or whatever or she might not have an Oscar or whatever but she's a working respected performer and that was more my lane and I feel like that also was it's kind of similar to the Bridget thing because she was like no I don't need to be the number one girl and like I don't I don't need to be like shaking my ass against the bus window I'm just gonna like sit here with my my little pink shirt and my bedazzler and like my cat and I'm good I'm at the party I don't need to be like in the VIP room but like I'm here you know yeah it's it's nice just being at the party right Being at the coolest party in the world is, like, you're still there. You don't have to be the coolest person at the coolest party in the world. You can just enjoy it. Just enjoy yourself. Yeah, and that's the secret is, yeah, I I think that is the secret. Like, don't, I mean, not that you shouldn't shoot for the moon, but it's like that thing, shoot for the moon if you miss, you'll land among the stars. It's like, it's a lot better among the the stars because you're not, all the focus isn't on you. (laughs) You don't have to live up to craziness. That is the sweet spot. I completely agree with you. Hey everybody, I didn't really have a official ending to this episode because Dara and I were just gabbing for so long about all things Girls Next Door, Ashley and Jessica, showbiz, and all the rest of it that we ended up talking for almost three hours. And by the way, I can't believe that I just said the word gabbing. I don't think I've ever done that before and I didn't realize that it was a word ever used outside of a Seventeen magazine article, but I digress. So I had to check in with Dara eventually and say to her, you know, are you okay? Do you need a snack? Do you need to go? Do you need a therapist after hearing me go on and on about Holly Madison's mental state? Like, where are you? And we both agreed that it would actually be better to continue our conversation on another night because we originally set this up 
thinking that we would talk about just general Jessica and Ashley stuff and then get into the newlyweds episode that we were here to review, Valentine's Day. But we never got there because we talked, like I said, for almost three hours about everything else that you guys just heard. And we really wanted to dive into the Valentine's Day episode and not feel rushed and not feel like our voices were dying from already talking for so long. So that will be next week's episode. I hope you enjoyed this little departure. I know the episode was a little different because we talked so much about another topic, but I really would love to explore a lot of different topics with you guys while still keeping it with our favorite sisters. You know, we got to keep it real with Jessica and Ashley, so they're always going to be a huge, I mean, they're going to be the main overwhelming part of this podcast, obviously. It's the Ashley and Jessica cast. But I love when you guys appreciate us going away from the main topic. I know a lot of you guys loved my chat with Michael Kadosh and how we talked about Janet Jackson and Brittany and Christina and all of so many divas, Mariah. I mean, we just got into all of it. So I'm hoping that there are going to be more episodes like this. If you guys totally hate it, let me know, but hopefully you enjoyed it. And I will see you guys next week with our review of Valentine's Day. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Ashley and Jessicast. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and tell all your friends who are just obsessed with Jessica's underrated album, Do You Know? We want to hear from them. Follow us on Instagram at Ashley and Jessicast, on Twitter at Ashley Jessicast, and send us an email. We want to hear your thoughts on the show, Ashley and Jessicast at gmail.com.